I thought we was gonna have a little better day than what we did. You know? There's one! Hurry up, I don't want to lose this fish. This is a nice one, Dad. Oh, it's a 40-incher. Yeah, I know. Other side. Yeah, he's in there now. You caught him when you lured, son. Yeah, I know. What's up, Yens guys? Welcome back to Fishing PA with Ryan Reed. In this episode, I want to talk musky fishing and I want to talk musky glide baits. Now, you guys know that glide baits can be ultra effective when you're fishing for musky. However, glide baits can be somewhat intimidating because all of them are different and it does take some effort to learn how to use and work glide baits properly. Now, this is a huge area in which I struggle in. And in this episode, we're going to have a couple of local fishermen that are extremely talented, and we're going to have them on to talk glide baits. And one of which is Mark King from Keystone King Muskie Lures. Now, Mark King is just an outstanding individual. Mark has a great family-run business with Keystone King Muskie Lures. He makes awesome glide baits, and he even makes diving rides as well. You know, Mark's a family guy. He's got a beautiful family at home. And he's really just one of those types of people that if you reach out to him, he will explain his products. He will explain glide baits. He will paint and make you a couple different sizes. And really, he will just help you learn more about the glide bait, the dive and rise, musky fishing in general. You know, Mark is a member of Chapter 16 Muskies Inc. He took me out fishing. He showed me how to work glide baits. And that was probably one of the most memorable days on the water I've had. So for me to get Mark on and just talk gliders and musky fishing, I'm super pumped about this. I'm super excited. And then in addition to that, I've got a local fisherman by the name of Adam Listapad and another local fisherman by the name of Tom Venata. You know, Adam, probably one of the most talented anglers I've ever seen fishing in person, especially when it comes to muskies and especially when it comes to glide baits. You know, Tom Venata, he runs Pennsylvania Monsters on Instagram. Tom is also a huge glide bait fan, and Tom catches a lot of big fish throughout the year as well. So in this episode, we're going to talk Keystone King musky lures, we're going to talk musky fishing, and we're going to talk in particular gliders and give you guys some tips and tricks that will hopefully translate into you guys catching more fish with baits like that. All right, guys, so let's go ahead, jump right into the Zoom call. And hopefully you guys find this information beneficial. All right, guys. So here we are. We've got a few guests on tonight. We've got Mr. Adam Listapad. We've got Tom PA Monsters Venata. And we've got the man, the myth, and the legend, Mr. Mark King. And really the topic for tonight 
is going to be glide baits. And in particular, we're going to talk about Keystone King Musculor. So this is a good opportunity for us to kind of show off some of these baits and really just talk about glide baits and talk about musky fishing. You know, I think this is, this is an area where some of the tips we can provide can maybe help some new anglers getting into the sport. And really it's a good way to talk about baits that have produced for you guys on the call. You know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to rely on you guys to ask some questions and we'll, we'll see what type of feedback we can get to, and turn this into a useful video for everyone watching. All right. So first and foremost, I want to get started. I know you guys have been fishing for a while. Um, Adam, just really quick, I'm going to go around the horn. You know, Adam, how long have you been musky fishing for and what kind of got you started in into the musky fishing game? Um, I'd say mostly family kind of got me started. Um, grew up fly fishing and musky fishing. Uh, caught my first one when I was 10 and it kind of just went from there. So I'm 35 now so that's a little while yeah so. yeah that's uh that's that's some good that's some good experience for sure uh so tom how long have you been musky fishing for and what got you into the sport um i have not been at it as long as adam has probably about four or five years um i pretty much fished for like everything before musky and then i went on a vacation to wisconsin with my girlfriend actually to like this place up here lake alice in wisconsin and I went like a cat fisherman, carp fisherman, bass fisherman, and I came home with a musky rod and it kind of took my life over. I still fish for other stuff, but musky definitely grabbed me and has a hold of me. Awesome. That's awesome. All right, Mark, how long have you been musky fishing for and how did you get started? I started back in 2005, 2006. And the whole reason I was fishing a bass tournament and ended up catching one. And uh, I got the bug. But full time, I've been fishing probably since 2008 for nothing but muskies. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a long time there. You know, I, and the thing is, like, I haven't been doing this that long. You know, kind of, I would say really last year was my first, like, full year focusing on muskies. Prior to that, you know, probably three or four years trying to figure it out here and there. Um, doing the pike thing and then getting into musky fishing was, I would say, probably one of the coolest aspects of fishing. And I, I just feel like musky fishing is fishing now to me, which, you know, that's that's pretty cool stuff. I don't know that that my wife or my wallet would totally agree <laughs> with that. <laughs> but, you know, I think that's all part of it. So, you know, one of the things I guess one of the reasons why I wanted to do this, and th this was really, really cool. So when I joined Muskie's Inc. a couple years back, you know, I think, you know, Mark, you had reached out to me. I think it was maybe at Muskie Max at some point and asked about going fishing. And one of the things I had on my list to do was to learn how to use glide baits. Uh, I've always heard from guys, and I guess just a quick question for the group. As far as like top baits overall for muskie fishing, where would you guys put gliders like top five top three number one uh adam you want to start uh glider for me is probably number one i use it 85 percent of the year might be wrong in some people's opinion but i catch a lot of fish on them <laughs> that you so. all right mark where would you top baits you know would you would you put a glider number three number one number two 
number seven. For me, it would be number two. I'm a diehard jerk bait guy. I, I can't stay away from them. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. And Tom? Definitely top three for me, I'd say. <clears throat> I mean, it's okay. it's tougher because it requires a little bit of patience. And sometimes you get out there, you just want to go, 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 go. And sometimes a glider requires the right conditions too, I think. I mean, so when I can use them, I do because I know how well they work. Okay. And that's, and that's what I'm learning. So I kind of wanted to learn more about glide baits um, and really just, I mean, I guess musky fishing in general, but Mark, you were kind enough to reach out to me and take me fishing and kind of show me how to work a glider. And, you know, to that point, I've had a little experience maybe with like the phantom soft tails um, you know, but I just didn't throw a lot of them. So that day for me was, was pretty special because I got to, you know, throw some baits around number one and, you know, just give me some general foundational tips on how to work these things. And, you know, that day, just kind of looking back, I think moved one fish and it was probably, I mean, it just, just to see a fish that early in the season. I mean, I was fired up. I was, I was really fired up. Just a little. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think I shook for probably about forty-five minutes, and you know, so I, I, that's that's all part of this. You know, that's seeing the first muskie that I did years back, and then you know, finally catching a few fish here and there. It's just really sparked this, I guess, this fire and passion for the fish and for the sport, and this is all part of it. So that's why I wanted to do this episode you know, the, the importance of glide baits and really just talk Keystone King. So that's, that's the plan for tonight. So with that said, Mark, do you want to kind of get us going in the, I guess, in the way of your bait lineup, if that's fair, maybe give us an overview of what you, what you got. Sure. Um, this one here, the little B was the first glider that I ever built. I built it the first one probably in 2010, 2011. And from that, I went to the bigger one. It's just a little wider with a little bigger tail, heavier. And then from there, we went to the peanut, about the tail. And then new for this year is the one I have good hopes for. The secret weapon. I don't know if you can see the difference in sizes here. Yeah, yes, you can. More of a springtime finesse type war. Okay. Uh, it's not something I'd be throwing in the middle of summer, but I know someone who does. Right, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> when they don't want to eat something big and they want something to downsize, it works. That's awesome. So I have, I have gotten more familiar with your glider lineup probably over the last, I would say maybe two years, um, if that's fair. And, you know, I, again, I've got, I think I have all three of those models. Now I've got the, the, the Mr. T, the little B and the new secret weapon. So I've been throwing this guy a little bit. I really, I just really love these baits, but I just wish I was better at working them. You know, I was, I was talking before this, you know, and I, I've got to get my cadence down and, and hopefully, you know, some of that, you guys have some tips for that too. Cause I know other people struggle with that, but you know, one of the other questions I have, you know, Mark, I don't, I don't know. I think I might've skipped over this, but you know, why, what made you start, you know, building your own baits? Was it just, uh, you know, just something you wanted to do or is there a particular reason? 
Well, I've always had an interest in woodworking. And back in 2008, I was in a pretty serious automobile accident. So I was laid up in a wheelchair for a few months and surfing the web, I found the Ohio Game Fish website. And in there, they have a tackle making forum. And I got on there and started looking at, you know, posts from other people and got a hold of one of the guys who was posting quite a bit, who was Fat Fingers, uh, Vince Shizenka. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who know who Vince is and uh, reached out to him and he kind of pushed me in the right direction. And let's say I jumped in head first. <laughs> nice. I mean, that's that's kind of interesting. So you have this accident and you just you just found a way to, I guess, be productive and really create things. You know, that's that's kind of a that's kind of a cool story. Um, you know, kind of you're handed a tough situation and you end up yeah. turning it into something like this. It wasn't fun at the time, but yeah, I mean, when you can't move around and you're stuck in a bed mm -hmm. pretty much all day you got to find something to do. And for me, that was my outlet. I was on that website. And I think I went through every single page on there, just reading other people's posts and how they did certain things and weighted lures, sealed blanks, you know, painted. That was my biggest struggle from the get-go was learning how to paint. I absolutely dreaded picking up the airbrush. I still think my paint jobs aren't the greatest, but they're getting better. So you weren't into art before you started making lures? You weren't like a, into art in any way? You never oh, painted? No, I, or, I can't you know? draw a stick figure. <laughs> you would never know. I mean, <laughs> you would never know it by your lures. I mean. Yeah, that, that's a, I mean, painting's tough. I will say that. And, and I think, I don't know, that, that was one of the other things for me, you know, just kind of tinkering around is you see all these lures and all these different types of baits out there. And I think there's probably a little piece of us as fishermen that, that wants to try to do something like that. Um, for myself, you know, I tried to do that, build my own bait. And I, I mean, I struggled. struggled Almost got a finger roll. Yeah. Yeah. I blew <laughs> up my thumb in the process. Um, I did get some pretty awesome content for my YouTube channel at the time. No, but I mean, these are things like it's, it's just, I wanted to learn to do that, but you know, ultimately, I think I've made a few baits that swim and I, you know, I caught a fish on, on one. So that might be it for me. <laughs> I might try to make a few here and there, because I think when you do something like that, you realize like how much effort and time goes into making a lure like this, you know, all the pieces and the hardware and just really kind of the engineering, I, I feel that goes into a bait like this, you know, without the lip and there's elements to this thing where you've got to get the weight right. Um, epoxy I mean all of it you know it's just there's a lot of love that goes into these baits and I think once you do that you kind of realize you know that part of it and and why you know people pay the type of money they do for for baits like this because there's just so much effort in there so okay. when when you're building the gliders like they're made out of wood right like they're not injection they're, they're all all out of wood yeah so do you, how do you get consistency? Do you have like a master and you just sand a little at a time or do you have like a jig that makes them all consistent or is that just like an eye, like an uh, eye bag? I have both. I have a master yeah. and I have a jig for certain things. Uh, as far as the lures, yeah, each one is cut out individually on a bandsaw and then I do sand it to the, 
the dimension. So each one is gonna be a little unique, obviously, because I'm not perfect. And then I weigh each, each blank gets weighed. And then as far as what this blank weighs compared to this one is how I add the lead. And that I have a jig for, so I know where my lead holes are going. I drill them all with the drill press, pour the lead, fill them, epoxy them, seal, well, seal them, epoxy. I put two base coats of epoxy on prior to paint, and then I put two coats over the paint. So it takes a little, little bit of time. That was like a big misconception I had, like starting out musky. I'd see gliders like hanging on shelves and I'd see like 50 bucks. And I'm like, it's like a hunk of wood with like hooks in it. And you don't realize at first <laughs> that there's lead, it's balanced. You don't realize like how much engineering goes into keeping that bait perfect in the water. And that blew my mind when I first started learning about that. And then you throw glitter into it. It makes it even worse. Oh, man, the glitter. <laughs> Put glitter in the paint. Oh, yeah. So I just want to know, and I, I know we've talked about this a few times, but just when you get into the world of glitter, like something like this, how much glitter is around your house constantly? Oh, you should I mean, see my shop. I, it looks like I just took it and threw it up in the air and it's gone <laughs> everywhere. It, oh. Yeah, glitter is no fun. But they're pretty. They look good. <laughs> they do look good. So here's a question, just generally speaking about gliders. Do you guys feel that something like glitter really does enhance the bait to the point where that's going to get chewed over a bait that doesn't have glitter? Is it just one of those things that it does maybe give it a little bit more or is that, is it something more for, you know, maybe the fishermen? I'm just curious what the opinion is. That might be a really terrible question. I don't know. It could make a difference on certain days or pressured waters. It could give you that little bit of extra flash, but a lot of our waters are kind of stained anyway. We don't have that nice, clear Chautauqua type water. So it's more of a profile type thing that you're looking for. I mean, it's some like some of your colors are bigger. I mean, the your bigger flash is going to be more than your little sparkly glitters, if that makes sense. Your little glitter is probably not going to get you that flash that is going to get you that strike versus something that's almost a shad color with a big silver stripe that's going to catch one ray of sun that's getting down through the water column versus that little sparkle of glitter in that stained water that we typically fish. So I think it's more for the fishermen for something that looks pretty. Why well, I don't fish many glittered baits, but <laughs> it's ambient light too, I think. I mean like if you pull a lure out of your box on any given day and you hold it up, I mean they'll look different depending what time of day, what the weather's like. I mean, if it's really sunny out, maybe you're going to see that glitter more in the water. If it's overcast, if you're fishing in the evening, it might, you might not see the glitter whatsoever. I mean, I mean, I noticed that too. If it's a real bright, sunny day, sometimes certain lures just really glow in the water from that glitter, mm -hmm. whether it be the glitter, whether it be the paint. I mean, it really depends on the lighting, I think, too. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll say see. this. On sunny days, I like the glitter, especially like at Woodcock. Canada where the water's a little clear when the sun hits it right you can see it it throws off some shine 
Definitely. Yeah, I, I, I think I would. I just like having. I think I like having both in the arsenal. You know, a standard and then some glitter, just because. You know, and it's. I think that is always a constant factor, maybe in the back of my mind, like what, what color should I go with? Um, what you know, water clarity, all that stuff, but. Ultimately, I'm probably going to have one of each sitting side by side in my box ready to go. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's cool stuff. Um, all right, Tom, did you have any other questions about building? I kind of interrupted you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I know with some, like, I, like with Phantom specifically, like if a glider's good, you eventually lose a little rubber tail. And then mm -hmm. sometimes you don't always have like the the right tail so you just start pulling tails off baits and i've noticed in the past like with phantoms specifically if you don't have that phantom tail they run kind of wonky after you put a replacement tail on even if you put it on the right way like i don't know how you made yours but i know phantoms i think the tail's supposed to curve up when you put them on even if yeah. you put them on and it's a different kind of tail they don't run right so i didn't know when you're engineering your baits if you like engineer them to a specific tail if that makes sense or if it doesn't I do, matter but adam throws that out the ballpark he likes to take yeah. tails and put bigger yeah. tails on <laughs> i hear i hear i hear that <laughs> but yeah i make the bigger ones with the bigger tails these are the eight inch musky grub tails that you can buy like through bass pro shops and then the, the little bees and the secret weapons have a they're a six inch grub tail i buy through locket lures i buy them in bulk obviously but and then i cut them down but yeah, I when I was uh, prototyping, I was trying all sorts of different tails, and that's what I came up with, and it seems to work well. So I that's what I was that. wondering, because I know a lot of people don't take that into account. Like a lot of people just throw whatever tail on, and I think like lure makers, they spend a lot of time picking a specific tail, maybe whether it be how long the tail is, the curvature. Like they spend, a, they put a lot of effort in the picking. Yeah, even. Tail. I mean, if you look at these tails, obviously they have rings on them. I'm sure you've seen tails before here. Mm -hmm. Let me get it up. You can see that if you, even just cutting them one more or one less will affect the action. Mm -hmm. All mine are cut four ribs in, so. That's that, cool. I did not know that, that it affects the action with that. It took me a while to figure that out. I kind of learned by like trial and error. Like this isn't working how it should. Not not your baits, just like a phantom or hellhound. Right. I'm like, this isn't working the way it did when I bought it. Yeah. Yeah, the, the tails affect the lures quite a bit. Mm -hmm. More than people probably realize. Yeah. So it seems to me that a glider is probably one of the more difficult builds, like lure wise. Is that is that fair? Is that a fair assessment or is that me overthinking it. It seems like it would be harder to build a glide bait than a crag bait per se. Well, at first, yes, I believe so. But once you get where your weight needs to go, changing it, you know, adding a little bit more, or a little bit less, depending on what your blank weighs. I think once you get the where you need it to be, they're easier to build. With crankbaits, you got to make sure that lips in perfect every single lure. If it's off a little bit, it's not going to run right. Mm -hmm. that there i think makes crankbaits harder okay all right that's fair all right what, what other questions you got build wise tom or adam too if you have a, if you have any questions adam. yeah let adam get one in uh, yeah, mark already knows mark already knows my question it's just, it's the it's the the magnum size 
<laughs> it's coming, buddy. Ooh. I told you we're going to work on it this summer. That's Ooh. it. Whoa. That was supposed to be top secret, though. Come on now, Adam. Can't uh. give away all my my secrets. We need to edit that that's part. That's the only question I have. <laughs> all right. So that's, that's a good question. How big you guys want it? Eight yeah. inches? Nine inches? Ten inches? That's Adam. I'm going to defer to ten, Adam ten. on that one. <laughs> I, I got I have a tenature here and we don't we don't have much we don't have much use for it every now and then you'll fish the Allegheny you'll fish a 10 but eight inches is real common around here and then you add the tail and you're getting we figure what 11 inches, inches. Yeah. yeah so I mean that's eight inches is real standard what's that, that feeds that late fall size so what's the size on the Mr. T? Because that's, I mean, that's pretty, I haven't really measured this, but. The body from the head to where the tail starts is six and a half inches. Okay. All right. So you're talking another. Okay. I mean, that, that, that is interesting. But the thing. Good. You're good. I was going to say, but adding that extra two inches of wood is going to make the lure need that much more lead so it's going to be considerably heavier i i'm presuming because right now the the mr t weighs just under five ounces it's like 4.9 i think the the bigger one's probably going to weigh maybe close to seven ounces which yeah that kind of leads me into another one i was thinking about yeah else had a question um i mean i kind of know the answer but maybe somebody watching i know like at the last show i picked up the peanut and i know that one's meant to be a shallower glider but i know you have a couple different styles of gliders meant for different depths and i think people don't really know that so like when i started i didn't know that i thought a hellhound was a phantom was a was a manta but different gliders are better at different depths different speeds different cadences and maybe just like take us through which are for what in your line sure. that's a good one yeah the little b can be worked a lot faster than the Mr. T because it obviously doesn't have as big of a tail and it's thinner. You can work it fast. I made it because that was the first one I ever designed. I think. The Mr. T due to the bigger tail, the wider body is meant to be worked slower. Um, it, if you can work it fast, but it's meant for that, you know, early season more pre presentation yeah. yeah this one here is like the peanut it's a real slow sinker yeah. and i made it for springtime just because the fish you know obviously when they're close to the spawn or just coming up they're not real aggressive and this one you can work real slow it's easy to overwork it it's more of a finesse presentation even more so than the peanut I noticed that, like, I got picked up that peanut, and I mean, I kind of talked about that with Ryan. I watched how he was working gliders, and he uses a lot of rod. I mean, a lot of my friends do. I even did it, like, use a lot of rod when you're working a glider. And with, with these, mm -hmm. like, real buoyant ones, like a peanut, I mean, you're doing yourself a disservice by using the rod, I feel like. It's almost all the real. All I mean, real. All you have to do is just tap, 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 tap. Well, the peanuts, or the uh, secret weapons like that, too, you just, you can just use the real. I sent mm -hmm. Ryan some video, too. I don't know if he's going to put it in here or not but we'll throw that video up real quick
I'm trying. Oh, that was awesome. Yes, right. that, I mean, that peanut I found that I didn't get to use it much this year just because our rivers were so low, but I know that's going to be like a destroyer in the creeks and the, the rivers and the places where it gets really shallow. Because I noticed that peanut, I mean, it it has hang time. You, you, you hold off on it and it just sits there. A lot of a lot of gliders, they fall really slow, but I mean, you could literally like send a text message in between like glides with this thing. It's just, it's, all, it's almost like neutrally buoyant. It, it hardly even sinks. I won't tell you how many uh, prototypes I had to make to get it there. You know, one of my favorites, this one right here. Oh, what? that's sweet. It's a little, it's a little short, chubby one he makes. Well, did make. So, I know. I think, that, I, saw, I, think I saw a picture with you and a fish in that one. The yeah, the one. first, first cast I put it on, I threw it out and that was letting it sink and went to make one twitch and I didn't even have to the fish was already on so that's how March baits work that was about a that was about a 44 and a half nice big fat belly but yeah the, these ones think real nice and slow and they're just super finesse real nice you can't you cannot you mean you do not want to overwork these nice tight glide side to side they're excellent i have one two three four five six seven of them right here <laughs> that's one thing that you do i think that a lot of other fishermen don't is you fish them deeper than most like yeah me. i fish them more, a lot of times where i can't see them yeah see, i'm the exact opposite i like to watch them I mean, I like to watch them at certain times of the year, but when I have to, I fish them to where I'm just popping that slack line and getting a nice pause. And then my next twitch, I go to twitch and I feel weight and I set the hook. So I rarely ever use my reel just because that's not how I was taught. I feel kind of out of place using my reel with a glider. I don't know why, but I don't know. Sometimes I feel out of place doing it, but. It's just not habit for me. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that feels out of place for me to use my reel. But sometimes with these smaller ones, like I have one of your prototypes here for the secret weapon. And it is super, super, super light. <laughs> and you kind of almost have to use a reel with this one because it doesn't like to sink real hard. It just kind of hangs. So you got to use a reel with this one. So that's, I mean, that's interesting because Adam, I've walked, I've actually stood there on the bank and watched you fish. And there's like this certain element where I almost feel like your casts are like very structured, like the way you hold the rod, the way you work the bait, you know, it's it, watching me. I'm kind of like, you guys ever seen the meme of the guy that just has the rod that's like twirling the rod and then just whips it out. Yeah. That's, that's me um, whenever I fish, but like it there, let me, let me ask this. So based off of that, is there a certain, I would say maybe, I don't know, lack, lack of a better word, structure that you guys would use in your cast to be able to work a glider more effectively? You know, 
I have a tendency to maybe, and it's hard to, to show this without a rod, but you know, I, I'm holding the rod out at a specific angle and I feel like sometimes I don't get enough action on the bait to, you know, whether it's just a speed thing or, or whatever it is, is there like a specific way you guys work it or like a structured retrieve? I don't know if that's even a solid question or not. So me, I'm, I'm not very tall. I'm only like five, nine, um, ultimate glider rod for me, is seven foot six extra heavy. Um, it's short. Um, if I'm not in a boat, like you said, I'm on shore and fishing a glider. I'm always keeping the rod tip down to the water and I'm fishing the slack line. I'm not using the rod. I'm always popping the slack line. You don't think you're moving the bait, but you're moving the bait. It's giving it that nice side to side action. So I'm always looking to keep the rod down until every now and then I'll switch it up and I'll give it some upward pops of the slack line just to kind of change how the bait's moving through the water. And then I'll let it pause, letting it fall. And then when it gets closer to shore, since I'm on shore sometimes, I have to, you know, either work it to the side closer down to the water, not get it snagged or work it with an upward motion pop in that slack to get it to come up because you're on shore bringing it back to you at the bank versus being out in a boat casting too short. You're working from shallow water to deeper, not being on shore, working back to the shallower water. So you always got to think of that when you're fishing like that. So there's always looking to where you can cast, um, trying to kind of fan cast. You don't want to keep throwing to the same exact spot all the time. I mean, you want to like, cover your areas that right there is kind of a good tip because i i find myself doing that a lot of times especially if i'm like if i'm on a creek you know i'll pick like a point where i i in my mind think there's a fish and i'm just constantly casting over and over same thing and sometimes i lose sight of you know an actual fan cast so i think that's important mark what i mean the fish might the fish might have been there but you moved them so he might have moved and then he repositioned five yards away so it's not hurting the fan cast the whole area and go back to it 15 minutes later that's a good point mark you so when i was out in the boat with you you gave me some help and i feel like if i do exactly what you told me to do to work these baits i can actually see progress like i can see the bait in the water and it looks like it could get eaten but sometimes i just like i'm all over the place so you have any other tips as far as, you know, working the bait, um, I guess, back to the boat or we'll say back to the boat? Well, a couple. Uh, for reels, I like a high-speed reel to, to reel in the slack, but not to where your line's tight. Like Adam said, the biggest key is to snap that on a semi-slack line. That's where you're going to throw that glide into the lure. Um, as far as leaders, I use steel leaders for all my gliders uh, and I tie direct with the uh, swivel. I don't use a snap 95% of the time. I'll use split ring pliers and go right into the uh, split ring with the welded ring. That's and what I, I appreciated use- about the peanut. It came stock with the uh, split ring on the nose. All my baits do. I put them on every single one, yeah. And <laughs> also, I, 
I'm almost six three, and I use a seven and a half foot rod also, except for the secret weapon. I use an eight and a half because it's all real action. And the peanuts, I, I use the big one for it too, because it's a little lighter of a rod. It's a, like a medium heavy, and I'm not using it to snap. The biggest thing that bothers me is snapping and slapping water with my rod. So I'm using the uh, seven and a half for the little B and the Mr. Keys. And I do a lot of up pumps too. I think that change of direction can trigger fish. That, yeah, that, okay. So that's, that's awesome. Um, I feel like Tom, I, you just, I, I maybe just need to say you told me so <laughs> on the, uh, the snap versus split ring discussion that we're constantly having. Um, can you, can you see it right here? Here's yeah. all my glider leaders right here. All yeah. split rings and solid rings. 174 for the bigger stuff and 124 for like the secret weapons and the smaller ones. Because I don't like a super stiff leader with those smaller gliders. Yep. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, that's good info. I mean, that's the type of thing that's going to help guys, you know, who are starting or want to throw gliders. Like I, you know, these are all things you guys have told me. And I'll go back to my my constant problem of like hearing versus listening or vice versa. Sometimes sometimes you've got to you've got to not only listen to somebody, but you've got to hear what they're saying, too. You know, so I think that's those are good tips. Um, Mark, did you have anything else you wanted to add there? Yeah, as far as like fan casting versus beating a, a point or what to death. If I think there's a fish there, I'll spend five minutes and make 10 15 casts straight to the same exact spot. The uh, gliders have a way of aggravating fish to where the point they hit it. Whether it works or not, I don't know, but don't be afraid to, if you think there's a fish there, you know, spend some time on it, hit different angles, but you know, don't just throw one cast and leave. Yeah. I need to do so casting from shore at some of these areas. If you get like a small Creek, it's easier to kind of change where you're at to change the, I guess, the retrieve path, if you will. Um, I need to do that more because I find myself, you know, beating it up from one side of the creek or the river when I could be switching it up a little bit. I think that's a good point. Uh, it takes two steps to the left and two steps to the right to change yeah, your angle. Yeah. Yeah. That, that might be all it takes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. I should be taking notes right now. <laughs> uh, it doesn't it doesn't take much to change it from the shore. I mean, a boat. I mean, even in a boat. I mean, it just step on your or you hit your remote or step on the foot pedal a little bit the and change it. Five seconds. Yeah, that's a big thing I noticed in a boat too. I mean, with bucktails, you can just like put your trolling motor on and cruise. But with a glider, you're really gonna want to like slow down and get in there kind of i mean you might not want to be have that trolling motor on five and be cruising through a spot you might want to kick the trolling motor off and just hang for a while move on a little bit hang for a while it, it, it does require a little more finesse i think the fisher glider than it would a bucktail that's what turns a lot of people off of them yeah the biggest thing i found in a boat with being with the trolling motors you got to cast obviously up the head of the boat because if your trolling motor's on got to cast up the head of the boat and work it back that way because if not you're going to end up pulling the lure back to the boat from the back of the boat at a very odd 
non-realistic way. Rushing the last quarter of your cast to catch up yeah. to the boat and make your neck yeah. So slow and so down. Fish out ahead of the boat with the trolling motor or the glider if you're trying to cruise along real slow. But sometimes it's best to just kind of drift along and not cruise with the trolling motor or the glider because they are, uh, unless you're in the su- like late spring, early summer point where you're fishing them fast. All right, Tom, did you have anything you wanted to touch on there? Yeah, I mean, you guys hit on a lot of it. The, the rod in the water was like a big thing for me starting off because that kind of like makes you focus more on learning and on your reel, I think. And like every different glider, every glider has like a different good cadence. So I think it helps to when you put your glider on, if it's a new glider, you haven't used it before. Maybe you don't bomb it out there and just get the work in it. Maybe drop it right next to the boat and see like, is it a half crank that makes it work the best? Is it like a quarter crank? Is it a full crank? And just get like a feel for what makes that glider look best in the water and then get it out there, then make that bomb cast and focus on doing that way out there. Cause sometimes it's hard to tell. Sometimes you overcompensate. You'll think that you have to really move that glider more than you have to. And you get to the last quarter of your cast and you see what your glider's doing. And you're like, Ugh, that's like not, that's not good. <laughs> so yeah. it, it helps dial it in next to the boat where you can see it, or even in shallow water, dial it in where you're working it right on the surface. And you can see that glider, everything it's doing until you get a feel for what feels right on that reel and then get it out there, work it down deeper, work it further away, whatever you have to do. But spend spend a little time focusing on it before you. I know it's exciting. You got a new lure. You want to catch stuff. But spend a little time doing like your homework and figuring out how it's going to serve you best. Is there? Do you guys have a general rule of thumb, um, or is there a rule of thumb when it comes to glide baits? Like, for example, you know, this time of year, work it super slow. Or, like Adam, you mentioned about summer when you're working a little bit faster. Is there just like general rules for these baits? Um, it seems like there would be but i i don't know that i'm good enough to really comment on that i mean this time of year i mean i personally don't like fishing water that's like 32 degrees and lower so they're just really really inactive when it's like that i mean something that's really really buoyant neutrally buoyant that's gonna you're gonna twitch it and it's gonna really pause and hang there i'm talking like six to ten second or maybe longer pauses and it's just gonna hang there maybe give it a couple twitches you know back side to side and then it's gonna hang for 10 seconds because they're not chasing anything down i mean i caught one yesterday on an oversized bass jig literally almost dragging it across the bottom (laughs) they don't they're not gonna really chase much down in that cold cold water I mean, the most I've caught when it's cold like this, even down in Virginia, I mean, it's been six, eight-second pauses and just that real slow, big glide this time of year when it's super cold. Okay. All right. I mean, nothing, that's it's n- nothing real. Nothing real erratic this time of year. It's kind of mm-hmm. just – it's almost like – ever see the dead shad floating and they're kicking and then yes. they pause? Kind of like that. Um spring it's it's slow but it's not super slow and erratic it's just the fish aren't super aggressive but they're definitely chasing bait because there's times we're burning rattle baits really really fast like a bucktail and they're hammering them so 
That's what's nice about a glider, too. Uh, that made me think of that. I mean, you have a lot of lures, like they have ideal speeds, but a glider, I mean, it's it's a versatile bait. I mean, you can work them fast, like you can pop, 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 really get them working like a bucktail in the summer, or like Adam said, now in the winter, you can really pick a glider out that hangs. Or you can pick a deeper running glider where you can really jazz it up and speed it up in the summer. And there's different gliders for all seasons, really, in my opinion. So, uh, Mark, you have anything to add on that one? No, because I don't do much fishing. I'm building lures at this time. So <laughs> he's making money. Uh, just there is no fishing. It's just building. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. I mean, that's that's the that's the interesting part because it feel to me it feels like you could fish a glide bait all year round if you really wanted to, given the right. You know, I guess looking at these, these are all tools, giving the right tool for that scenario. The water's cold, you have something that hangs. Um, and then really just different cadences, different types, working at different ways throughout the year. Um, do you guys have a favorite time of the year to throw a glider? Like, say, I don't know, like fall? Or is it just, does it matter? I know, Mark, you throw gliders a lot. Um, yeah. I would say March to the beginning of May, middle of May, those are probably my favorite times to throw gliders. And then in the fall, I, I throw them some. My dad throws them more than I do. I'm more throwing the jerk baits. And, but they do have a time and place all year round. I've had a couple of days during the summer where we couldn't move fish except for on a glider. Those flat, calm days where nothing seems to be going throw a glider on and pop it fast over weeds they can pull fish and trigger them yeah i'd like to have a day like that where i could just go on and work glide baits and catch a few fish hey you know you always have an open seat in the boat oh i'm gonna take <laughs> i'm gonna take you up on it 100 i was always that wondering I was always under the impression they were like a fall bait and like a cold bait, like cold seasons and stuff. And then I saw what Adam did last spring with them. And that changed my mind pretty quickly that you can work them in the spring and they will catch fish in the spring. Yeah, and they the will spring, outfish you in the spring. I learned that. Yeah. Yeah. The spring's my favorite time to throw them. Yeah. By far. Yep. And that was another thing in spring, I think, like I thought in my head that spring meant slow. And I mean, at, I saw it and Adam showed me and it doesn't always mean slow in the spring. I mean, we were mm -hmm. working gliders fairly quickly, uh, quickly enough where you could see them coming in pretty much. And they were hitting them. It's, I think it's just a matter of getting it in front of them at that point. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that and that that's the other part of this is, you know, <laughs> watching Adam kind of changed my perspective a lot, too. Um, and I'm like, I am probably more pumped at this point for fishing in the spring, you know, with these, the littler guys, uh, especially, you know, now that I know I can, I can sit there and pump the reel, you know, that's, that's something I need to work on. But yeah, I mean, it's, this, this whole thing is, is pretty awesome when you, when you talk about fishing with this style of bait. And I do feel like there is a patience factor too. Um, all right, so I, I have another question. As far as this, this is going to be generically speaking. You know, some guys I talk to about lures, they say one thing; others say the opposite. But my question to you guys is color. 
you know, I want to talk about lure color. Um, I guess, number one, what's your favorite color or maybe a scenario that that color would fit in? So is there, when you guys are selecting baits, you know, what do you look for, I guess, in color? Adam, you want to start it? <laughs> um, a loaded one. So um, in the spring, depends on where I'm fishing. I fish, obviously, you guys know where I fish quite a bit. Um, there's a lot of like all white type little baits there. Um, so I like I like a, a white almost with an orange belly. It gives it a good contrast. That's one good color. Um, going later on through the year, I've kind of started to do really good on more of a sucker type bullhead pattern, almost like a off yellow type color. Um, even the rivers and everything started to do really good on that. So I guess for me, it's just kind of general going to be natural, if that would make sense. Um, perch patterns for certain lakes have done really well for me, especially Chautauqua. Um, a lot of guys say walleye colors do well for them. I've done a lot better on perch colors, whether it be gliders or Poseidons. It's always been a perch color. So I like, there, there's a good, that is a good natural color right there. Um, Ooh, that was pretty. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty much going to be your natural colored kind of guy. I'm not very bright and gaudy when it comes to colors. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so I guess another point is, you know, double check where you're fishing, you know, take a look and make sure you understand what, I guess, what bait fish are there. And then I hate the term match the hatch. I don't know That's why. Fly fisherman. I know, but it's just, it's one of those things. Like I just, I always go there for some stupid reason, but. Here's my match the hatch. Oh, that's all right. That's I know. I, I would have you know to say one one gaudy color that is my favorite is that color he just showed. That wow. is about the yeah. That is the one color that is off the wall. That is one bright color that I will throw that I like that I've done well on. Other than that, besides pink, I use pink in spring like cold water times. I do well on pink and white for some reason. You're but that's keep it. that a secret. <laughs> I like that one though. Yeah. That's what do you, do you have a name for that? Leprechaun. That's Leprechaun. Okay. Yeah. I like it. It really glows in that. Our stained water, like Pomatumine, I did real well on that color. It really shines in the water. Yeah, it's nice. I was gonna say that uh I was gonna I was gonna talk about this just because Oh, that's nice. I do like that. I um this might this is actually I think was this the first one I bought off of you? I think so. This was the first that was the first bait. Yeah. I've had so, real good luck on that color at West Branch. Especially in the fall, once the water starts to cool and it gets that greenish tint to it, that color really, really shows up well. That's kind of interesting because I've, I mean, and I might, maybe I shouldn't give this away. I don't know that this makes a difference or not, but I, when I hear West Branch, I, I immediately go to like orange, like yeah, orange, yep. bright orange, yellow. 
I don't know. That's the, that just seems like everybody's throwing orange on that on that body of water. But so I guess so. Adam, you gave us some good insight. Uh, Tom, do you have any thoughts on color? What's your color scheme? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of like goes back to the glitter thing. Like if it's it's all going to be about like light for me. I mean, it's not all about light, but a lot of it's about light. I mean, if it's really sunny out, I'm gonna be looking for something that's giving off shine, or I'm looking for something that's casting a shadow. So something that casts a shadow is going to be like a black or one of your darker colors, something that's really going to, I mean, it's, it's just going to put off a shadow. But um, then like stained water, yeah, your, your gaudy bright colors, they can really glow like we were saying. I mean, it looks like there's an orb around them when it's coming in. They really, the paint, whether it's white or orange or like something with the orange tail, it shows up well in the dirty water. And I know you hate the match the hatch term, but I'll do that. Like on a lot of rivers and lakes around here, these muskie are eating trout. And I know rainbow trout lures get like a bad rap. Yeah, yeah. But I know they get like a bad rap, but I think they're killer. I mean, anywhere where they're eating trout, the, the trout glider is just like filet mignon, in my opinion, for them. But it, it goes back to the lighting. And I mean, if you, you're not going to throw a natural trout glider if the water is muddy or if you're night fishing, like it, it, it's all about the light, in my opinion, I think. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, Mark, you have anything to add on color? Own what you have confidence in. If you don't have confidence in what you're throwing, you might as well take it off. That's why I like throwing clown because I've caught fish on it everywhere. I like it. I throw it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think that too is um, is good for for guys getting into this. You know, just lures in general. You know, you're and, and maybe that's part partly why they say you know some of these baits are for the, you know the colors are for the fishermen. But I mean, really, you know, I can tell you that I've got a lot of lures, but there's some lures that I'll put in the water because I just don't feel confident in the color, or I'm not going to throw it. And you know, what's that? what is that told to you at that point if you're not confident? And I, I just really think that's a good point that a lot of people, you know, especially like during show season, you're just buying stuff up like constantly, like, look, Oh, that, that color looks cool, you know, but ultimately you get to that point, yeah. you might not have as much confidence. And you need five of all of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know a guy like that. <laughs> I know a guy like that. Yeah. I thought of like a question. I don't know if this is asking too much of the, the Keystone King secrets here, but I was looking at the peanut. Are they through wired? No, they're screw wired. Oh, okay. It looked like it. Never mind. I was going to say, because I was going to say, wouldn't that add like an extra step in the process? But scratch that question. I, on certain wood types, I do think it helps. Oh. I mean, I use African mahogany, which is a pretty hard wood. I don't think you're going to pull a screw eye out. You're going to bend them maybe from a fish thrashing in the net, but it's not coming out. I feel, I like, to come out. I feel like too, and I'm just looking and I, I have little to no experience here, but one thing I've kind of noticed, I guess, is, you know, with the screw eyes, like I use the screw eyes on just crankbaits and stuff. I feel like if you put epoxy on the screw eye, and, and then you drill it in. I feel like that helps, but I also feel like when you actually epoxy the bait, I always like epoxy the, the screw eye in. And I just feel like that gives it enough hold. Like I, I haven't had any issues with any of my baits that are like that, but. Like you see, these are. Yeah. 
That's why I thought it was through wired because they're epoxyed in so well. I thought they were. I couldn't even tell it was a screw eye, but yeah, I've never. Yeah, had like, it. like to me, there's no way that's coming out ever. No. Like I mean, maybe if this thing gets eaten a hundred times and just gets completely demolished, which at that point you're like, I'll hang it on the wall anyway. That's it's my served camera. its purpose. It's time for a new yeah, one. Exactly. Like that's the that's the thing we all want. You know, like that's that's the thing that I'm, I look at you guys and I see Adam and, and all you guys catching fish all the time. And I'm like, man, I want to get, a, I want to get a bait that I can hang on my wall. Cause it's just, it's caught so many fish. It's like the stoic legend in my office, but oh, maybe someday, you know, I gotta get, I gotta fish more. Maybe I gotta talk to, I gotta talk to my old lady and see how much more I can get out there. Well, you have don't talk to her. Just do it. <laughs> just, just fish and apologize later. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what it. I do. Yeah. Speaking of bait up baits, my dad has a sand cat, which is a jerk bait. I think it's got close to 50 fish on it. It is beat to tar and back. Wow, he yeah. will not retire. That's like his go to. When he goes fishing with me, that's like the first and last lure he puts on. He's like, oh, it's still got some life in it. But it, I'll send you some pictures of it. It is just annihilated. You better tell him to hang it up before he loses it and regrets it. Yeah. Sentimental value. I think I've replaced uh, at least a dozen hooks on it. It's just, it's it's in bad shape. <laughs> I, think you, I think you sent me a picture of it. All right, really quick. So, Mark, you not only make glide baits, but you make dive and rise baits as well, correct? Yeah. So, can you give us any insight into your dive and rise, what it looks like, anything you could tell us about it? Here's the eight inch version, Ooh. 10 inch. I don't make very many of them. I might make 20 to 30 a year. Uh, around here, I just don't get people wanting them. I've made them for the last like three or four years and they just don't seem to do well, but I may mostly make them for my dad and I. Uh, the biggest issue or the reason I started making them, I mean, the suic is a great lure, mm -hmm. except for when you're trying to cast it into the wind. Uh, I don't know if it, you guys have been there or not, but it can be difficult. So I made this eight inch version. So it's heavier. It's a little more buoyant. I fish shallow water and in weeds. And that was the main reason I made it. Well, I mean, that's, that's awesome because that's, I mean, that's one of those things that you kind of see a need for in your fishing and you just built something to solve the problem. You know, that there, my, my company has a slogan that's transforming ideas into reality, but that's like, you know, to me, that's part of bait making, you know, like you have this idea and you just transform it. So that's well, cool stuff. That's easier said than done. I think yeah. I went through a dozen prototypes. I could not get it the way I wanted it to run. So I changed a little weight here, moved the weight there went from two hooks to three hooks i had people asking for three hook version uh, the eight inch was it, it was a nightmare let's put it that way <laughs> get it the way i wanted it it took a lot of effort the 10 inch first one it worked the way i wanted it to that's i showed you i sent the video to you mike jones mm -hmm. i caught a fish on it I think two days before he asked if he could borrow it to use it. I sent it to him and what 
I don't know, maybe a day later, he sent me that video. And he still has that lore. Thank you, Mark. The, yeah, I, the 10 inch is my personal favorite in the fall. They, they seem to really like it. And you know, the, the funny thing about it is, I feel like you guys correct me if I'm wrong here. I was thinking about this earlier. You know, we, we've got say like the northern part of the Allegheny it's a little bit shallower um in some areas I just feel like like the Suic would just be like a like a diving rise in particular would just be absolutely killer in areas like that do you guys feel like you know is it is a diving rise like that maybe underutilized in our area or is it you know is it just something that guys just don't go to there's just so many other baits I, I feel like it's just like ultra productive but like Mark you said it there's just not a whole lot of I guess not a big market for it. I'm trying to figure out why. Very underutilized. Very, very <laughs> underutilized. I'd put them in like the same category as a glider. Like it's not a lure where you buy your first musky rod and it's your first lure you buy and go out there and you just kill it with that lure. It's a lure that requires, I think, a little more practice to learn. And I think people use it their first time, like any diving rise, a Suic or whatever, they use them the first time and it's they see them and they're like, eh, I don't like it. I'm not going to use it, but it's something that over time you get better at using them. It's just like ladder, you figure your cadence out, you learn how to tune them, and they have their place. Yeah. I mean, I, I had like a four-day period this fall where, I mean, I don't even want to say it, but a bobby bait, they would just, they wouldn't stay off of it. The weighted, the weighted bobby, I mean, they wouldn't stay off of it. I own one. I own one of them, and that one they wouldn't stay off of it. I own one bobby bait. <laughs> so I mean, that's proof in the pudding right there. Yeah. I mean, I have a wall full of suix, but it's just that one bobby bait they wouldn't stay off of. It's yeah. weighted, bigger head profile, but I think that I, from what I just saw, I think I want one of each of my marks. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, you know, like that, that's why I wanted to ask you about it because I just feel like, I mean, that bait would just, to me, it just, it fits an area here, you know, that I feel yeah. like a lot of guys maybe aren't utilizing or even trying. I mean, myself included, you know, I, I just think that that, that bait could, could really, you know, change some or swing some heads around maybe. Why don't you think people want to mark? Do you think there's a reason that well, one, because guys don't know how to use them properly. I mean, to fine-tune them, they're not something you're just going to grab and throw right out of the package, and it's going to work correct. You have to tinker with tail. Second one is you're, import, you're imparting all the action to the, raw, to the lure. It's not something where you just throw it out and reel it in, and it's going to do what it needs to be doing. You have to use the rod to manipulate it. So there's a lot of imagination in it, too, you know coming up to the point of a weed bed, you know, I'm going to give it a little snap and then a big jerk to give it that pop and then dive. And they take effort to work them for eight hours a day and 
I don't think guys like to do that. You know, they want to take a bucktail and just throw it out and reel it in. That's my opinion. Whether that's correct or not, I don't know. That's uh, I've seen guys. I've seen a lot of guys fishing them where they get wore out because they're they're really like jerking on them and jerking on them and working them. It's actually just you're pulling them. I mean, they're overworking them because they're jerking on them and they're not getting them to their full potential when you're actually like you're, you're doing nice, like two foot sweeps and it's not an actual jerk and a real hard snap and a pull. It's like a two to three foot sweep to get that nice bait. And then like Mark said, you want to give it a short snap or a twitch to give it that different action. But I've seen so many guys just really wrenching on their rod, trying to get it to go. And they're like, why isn't my suic or my diving rise going down so deep? One, they've overtuned the metal tail or they didn't do it at all. And then they're really just ripping on the rod and they kind of get frustrated with them. And it's really not. It's nice and easy, nice, easy two, three foot pulls. And I think people just get really frustrated with them. And worn out. Yeah, yeah definitely. Especially with the 10 inch. That. Even for me, you throw it all day, you feel it. I absolutely. That's I gotta hit the I gotta hit the weight. I gotta hit the weights a little harder going into <laughs> this year. I got the jelly arms from trolling so much in 2020. Yeah, yeah, back to casting. And that's the other point I wanted to bring up at the beginning of this, and I forgot. Like you guys are is it is it fair for me to say that the three of you are are casters at heart? Like you guys would rather cast than troll, obviously. Like Tom, I know I can speak for you. <laughs> absolutely what's trolling yeah <laughs> isn't that road hunting yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so i'm, I'm puts the engine in gear and stands up on the back of the boat and works his glider while the boat's moving he puts mm-hmm. 400 yards of line out and just yeah i'm i'm not gonna say i haven't trolled a glide bait before but it usually it's like a hellhound <laughs> and i just i just chuck it out there and it does its thing but yeah, I gotta work on that. I gotta get, I gotta regain some muscle mass and trim the fat down because it just keeps coming on the COVID weight. Uh, all right. Only, so, only trolling rod that I own is a, is a more or less it's a line counter for suckers. That's it. <laughs> I got some experience in that this this past fall. I was like, I, I, I was out with Donnie Swink and I was like, hey, are we doing some trolling? He's like, nah, we're gonna throw on a sucker. I'm like, that's a troll. I'm like, you have that in an AZ holder? Like I had, boom. So anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm all screwed up now. I've got, I want to do both. That's all I want to do is both. That's all I want to do right now is fish, but you guys know how it is. All right. So we talked a lot. Um, you know, is there, so I guess maybe parting in the way of a parting gift, is there any other tips that you guys would recommend to maybe a new fisherman or a new musky angler, somebody that wants to get into trying to throw glide baits or even the dive and rise. Is there any other tips that we could give to somebody like that? I'll start off. Um, If you see me out on the lake or one of our three rivers tournaments, don't be afraid to come up and ask and say, Hey, can you help me with this? I'll be more than welcome or more than able to go out and spend 10 minutes, 15 minutes until somebody gets it the way it needs to be running. Um, I think musky fishermen in general are tight lipped and a lot of guys are intimidated to come up and talk to other 
fishermen, and I'm not one of them. If I catch a fish, I'll tell you where I caught it and what I caught it on. So if you're struggling, reach out to me. Uh, I'll be more than welcome to help you. All right, cool. I mean, Ryan, you know, I definitely help anybody. I mean, yeah. I might not tell you where I caught the fish, but I'll definitely tell you what I caught it on. And if you see me, I'll definitely help you. You mean it wasn't in Dubai? It, it could have been. It could have been the port of Dubai, I promise. <laughs> With you fireworks. On the green last year, too, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll definitely, if people see me, they, they definitely, a lot of people know I'll definitely spend time with them and help them. But yeah, I, I um, I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to figure out where I need to cast at my mom's house to pick up those last couple of things. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, but seriously, like all three of you guys, and this is, this is another reason why I wanted to get you guys on because I mean, clearly all three of you have helped me in this short journey of trying to catch a muskie basically. Um, and all three of you guys have been willing to share information and help, you know, and that's the thing is like, not everybody's like that. You know, I, I, I've talked to all three of you guys, you know, even late into the night about musky fishing. And, you know, it's, that's something that's really special, you know, that, that we probably need more of, and, and maybe not so much like telling guys exactly where to fish. I mean, you know, some of that you got to figure out. And I, I was, I'm still very thankful that I got that type of information to help me catch fish, but, you know, it's not always about that, but there's just certain tips and tricks that, you know, it just really helps you develop as an angler. And all three of you guys have been willing to, to help guys out, not just me, but other guys out and learn and grow. So, you know, that was the reason why I wanted to get you guys on. Um, talk, Tom, you have anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not an expert by any means either, but like I'm willing to share what I do know or what I think I know. And like I said, like every glider, every glider is not like made equally, like even within Mark's line, like you don't just put on any glider and go work it at any depth. I mean, you can, but just like any musky boiler, every glider is a tool. I mean, the peanuts a tool. I like it for the shallow, shallow water or like extra hang time. If I'm going super duper slow. And like I said before, a phantom is not a hellhound is not a mana is not a King. I mean, every glider has its own place or at least like different buoyancies of them. And you got to talk to the lure makers. I mean, message mark and tell him hey mark i'm fishing like a creek that's what i did i said hey mark i'm fishing rivers and creeks and i want something shallow and he said hey that peanut and yeah it's it's a shallow glider so just go into it knowing that not all gliders are meant for everything some are meant for shallow water and everyone has their own purpose yeah i think the last theme of it i guess the last part of the conversation is don't be afraid to ask questions you know reach out to guys and ask those questions and you know, don't be afraid to ask. There's no such thing as a dumb question. Really, I, I have that motto in life, you know, in general, because I think it's better to ask the question than to do something, you know, completely wrong or waste time doing something wrong like I did for the first couple of years I was musky fishing. But, you know, so I, I guess um, just to kind of wrap this thing up, you know, I appreciate you guys jumping on. Um, talking about gliders, you know, Mark, I appreciate you, uh, you know, coming on to talk about your baits and, you know, the lineup and these tips and tricks. Um, just real quick, can you let everybody know where to get a hold of you for baits in case somebody wanted to reach out and get one of these gliders or diving rods? Yeah, I'm on Facebook, uh, Keystone King Muscular's. 
I'm on Instagram under the same Keystone King Musky Lures. Uh, my email is king257 at zoominternet.net. You can send me a message on there. Tell me what you want. Or if you just have a general fishing question, let me know. All right, cool. Um, so I, I will throw a plug out there. Tom, you want to throw a plug out for, for Pennsylvania Monsters? We're going to get a hold Follow me on Instagram at Pennsylvania Monsters or Facebook Tom Van Adam. Just getting back into the Facebook swing of things, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I f maybe a YouTube in the future, but not for now. I'm worried about catching fish, not filming it just yet. Once I master catching them, maybe then I'll master filming it. I mean, you could just not be a master of anything and <laughs> just do what I do right? and ride everybody else's coattails. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, Adam, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, where, where can they uh, find you at? Um, they can start, I mean, on Facebook, just my name, Adam Listapad, shoot me a private message on there. I mean, even on Instagram, it's just Listapad A. Um, shoot me a message on there, and then we'll definitely go from there. Talk, right. answer some questions, see what they're see what they're trying to figure out and go from there. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys again, jumping on, talking fishing and uh, being willing, you know, to help, help guys out. You know, it's important to continue to grow the sport. And um, I will say, you know, if, if there's anybody watching this, if, if we actually have anybody watching this video at some point, <laughs> yeah, we get a couple of views. Um, if any of the viewers are interested, you know, Muskies Inc. It's a great way to join a club that helps the fishery. You know, you get to meet guys like this, and it's just a huge resource for the sport of muskie fishing. And then there's also that voluntary muskie permit that that does help the stocking effort and the hatcheries and things like that. So those are two important things I always like to bring up or I try to in my videos, um, you know, just key elements to that. So, guys, I can't thank you guys enough for your time tonight. Thanks for jumping on and hanging out and talking fishing. And uh, hopefully we can get out in the water and catch some fish this year. I like to fish yeah, with, you, with you guys at some point, so. All right, guys. Yeah. All hey, right, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, Ryan. Thanks, guys. Thanks, yeah. Ryan. Absolutely. All right, guys. That was it. You know, we had a good, solid conversation with three talented musky fishermen and a very talented local lure maker right here in the state of Pennsylvania. You know, these types of videos are fun for me, guys. I really like highlighting good, positive people. Um, and, the, and the three guys that I had on tonight, they are just that. They are not afraid to help you as a musky fisherman, help you learn and grow. And really, you know, they're just talented fishermen in our local area. I love having local guys on. I want to focus on this because some of you that aren't musky fishermen or some of you that are just starting to fish for muskies, you know, one of the things you'll learn is to support your local bait makers. Local bait makers develop products for bodies of water that you guys fish well locally. So, you know, that's why I'm going to continue on with these. It's fun to have these discussions and it's fun for me because I learn just as much as you guys when you get talented people on the horn like we did with Mark, Adam, and Tom. So guys, again, if you like this video, if you like this format, hit that like button for me. If you guys like this content overall, please subscribe to my channel. I greatly appreciate each and every one of you that do that and each and every one of you that have supported me over the last three years. You guys need gliders or you need dive and rise, reach out to my man, Mark King. 
Keystone King Musky Lures on Facebook. Find them on Instagram. Um, if you guys have problems finding them, reach out to me and I will find a way to get you in touch with him and pick up some of these baits for the upcoming musky season. All right, guys, I will just say this. I hope everybody is staying warm and I hope everybody is staying healthy. Just keep casting. Good things will happen. I promise you that. We'll just say tight lines. We will see you next time.